0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. All right, do you want to say a thing? Yep.
1: What is the conversation? Who is it with?
0: We'll be getting to that in a minute. Just be patient.
1: I want to know who, who it is because then I might be able to guess what it is in advance.
0: You do realise I'm now going to have to put this at the beginning of the tape? Yeah. This is a Manhattan-bound B-Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap. Welcome to Skylines, the City metric po- <coughs> podcast. I'm John. <coughs> Excuse me. I've got a feeling that wasn't as funny as it was in my head before I did it. No. Oh, f- okay, well, we're committed now. Anyway, so I've got Stephen here. And um, which, which I regret actually, because the, okay, this conversation I had very late at night in, in the Midland Hotel bar on, on Monday night, when someone came over to tell me they like the podcast, which is always nice. Yeah. And that's, that's something that's happening more these days, which is, you know, lovely. Hello, guys. Um, and I said, oh, it's, yeah, it's, thank you. It's, it's a bit frustrating not having a regular co-host at the moment. We're still kind of missing Stephanie. And she said, oh, I really like the ones you do with Stephen. them. I just, I was quite drunk and I went, Stephen's already overexposed. So, so. If 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 I had another option, I probably wouldn't have asked you to come down here and talk about Theresa May's housing policy. But it's
1: um... when you said you were going to mention something, you talked to about me late at night. at Conservative Party conference. I had horrible images of you hearing about an event that shall only be known as the incident.
0: Okay, you can't not explain the incident now.
1: So it, it's not it's not very cities related, but a That's long fine. a long time ago, I li- I was a flatmate with someone else who was at Conservative Party conference uh who is someone who's also been on this podcast it is someone who's also been on this podcast and i thought it might be about an incident what
0: was the incident
1: with you? the incident can't be discussed on a family podcast okay okay there was an incident
0: if anybody out there knows about the incident involving Stephen and a former guest on this podcast possibly one who works for buzzfeed then do get in touch but anyway no it was it was just a story about you know people being nice to me and then me being horrible to you is really it's just that i'm I'm aware like you 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 were only recently on here and and i'm I'm aware when, when when it's the two of us we're both we're both very much not women and I feel uncomfortable with that
1: but I'm free
0: you are free and available for 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 not that long so we should probably get to the extra topic in hand so yeah Theresa may the the, the, the somebody told the sun there was going to be a council house building revolution. And that's not really that's not really what we've got, is it? That's not that's not what's happening. I thought it was the most uh, pathetically
1: Marina Hyde in her brilliant post conference write through said it, it emerged into the biggest revolution at Conservative Party conference was the definition of the word revolution. Yes. Um and yeah I mean it's one of those I I, I think what I also find funny is right, so it's it's basically eight council houses per local authority. I nothing.
0: I hadn't heard that one. I yeah. know it's like an extra five thousand a year.
1: So if you then if eight. you then divide it by the number of council houses a council of uh, local authorities it's eight.
0: I also think these figures are optimistic because if you divide the money by the number of homes they're projecting, they're talking about them costing about eight Eighty thousand pounds each, and that seems on the low side to me.
1: But yeah, it's eight, eight per pound. and all, and the best thing about it is obviously they're also putting ten billion pounds more into help to buy. So it really is like you know, if a fire started in this room, you're going, "Don't worry, I've got a revolution in how I'm gonna f- how I'm gonna find it." Going out, getting a huge tin of petrol, pouring it on the fire, and then like, oh, but don't worry, I bought a super soaker, <laughs> and just sitting there, like, I mean, it's just like. It would be an adequate solution if they weren't also making the problem worse at the same time.
0: The the, the help to buy thing is slightly more complicated than that because there were several elements to help to buy. Uh, The one I believe, I always get them mixed up, I believe the one that we still have was the deposit scheme, the deposit guarantee scheme, which as I understand it, actually it's not that it's, obvious that it was just bidding up house prices it's that they can't rule it out and it seems to vary area by area somewhere like london it's definitely bad news but in other places it's possible that the sort of the the effects you got of uh, it's possible that you know it, it did kind of give House builders, enough certainty to get more, building more and that that effect may have sort of outranked the sort of the effects of pouring more money into the market. Yeah. But it's this is part of the problem we ever talking about housing is you kind of instinctively start talking in national averages and people don't live in a national average house. They live in a house in a specific place. So it's kind of often quite difficult to to talk about it. Yeah. From, from a political standpoint why do you think it was I mean do you think that this, they over briefed it or do you think it was just the sun got a bit overexcited and wasn't as helpful as they imagined they were going to be or do you think it's like may, maybe they just thought well we'll get good headlines from this and that's more important than the fact that it's going to look like a damn squib afterwards I mean what the hell is going on there?
1: I think it will have been a combination of over uh, I think it will actually have been over briefing for the most part because I mean one of the interesting things and this is not true of everyone who works on policy um for um for, worked on policy for for Theresa may you will tanner's stuff in the the eye now he's left and has become a columnist for them it's, it's, it's very good and actually does have kind of meaty policy solutions but an awful lot of people of whom nick timothy is probably the most famous example would continually go we have a radical solution to insert whatever the problem is and then with kind of yeah, almost comic levels of fanfare, would find whatever the policy equivalent of that super soaker I was talking mm. about earlier was. I mean, okay, so grammar schools we know are act- actively do not work, but the idea that then even, even if they did work, then they produce the scale of upskilling you need in the British workforce uh, is is for the birds, right? Even if they succeeded for their intakes, there are they they do not have large-scale enough effects, ignoring for a moment the fact that their effects are actually negative. Um, So my guess is it's the kind of same old uh, problem, Um, and it may also have been partly about forestalling um, objections among conservatives who do get it, which is basically everyone in the 2015 and 2017 intake, a great number of their councillors, and indeed a couple of people uh, from earlier on, I mean, not least Sajid Javid, who's... um, proposals I think are a bit more useful although I also don't think they will in their current state
0: so Sajid Javid's proposals if you haven't come across them are basically uh, involves requiring bigger targets from any council where where house prices are significantly above
1: average where where basically where they are kind of above the mortgage basically where if you cannot get a mortgage on an average salary in this area the council is required to Build until
0: which will make a lot of sense somewhere like Bromley in South East yeah. London, where house prices are incredibly high, but unlike yeah you know, some some London boroughs have been quite good at delivering extra housing mm. um some of some of them it's because there's there's a certain amount of dodginess going on, not naming any tower hamlets or Newhams in particular, but also Barnet, which is a, a conservative led borough Was recently i believe um has also been doing very well despite being an outer London Tory borough. Bromley, on the other hand, has more empty space than any borough in London. It is literally half empty, and they've not been planning for growth at all. So, so Javid's policy would be very good at, at motivating them. I think where I can't see it working would be somewhere like Oxford, which has the single worst, uh, least affordable housing in in Britain, in terms of if you measure it by wages rather than absolute figures. But they just don't have the land. Like, there is, it's no good telling Oxford Council that you need to build more houses because they know they do, but there is literally nowhere in Oxford you can do it. So, to develop more Oxford, you would have to do it in the neighbouring councils, which places like Churwell which are run by the Tories from towns, commuter towns like 10, 15 miles away. So there's just that lever isn't going to work.
1: Or you could uh, not... Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. no, I mean, there are also, and I realise I, I am about to advocate knocking down my mother's house, but you also could knock down a bunch of two-storey terraced ha- homes in Blackbird Lees and just build apartment up. blocks. Yeah.
0: But this is... I mean, this is why I don't... I get, I get uncomfortable with this argument is because people like densification is is a good thing. Like dense cities are generally better. If you go to like a dense walkable city in, on, in Europe, like Paris or Vienna or something, they're generally much more interesting places to be than one built on the car. However, there are two problems. One of which is we're terrible at building apartment blocks in this country. Like for whatever reason, they're just not as nice as those kind of mansion blocks you get. Continent, or even in a lot of American cities. And secondly, we never talk about the fact that it does literally mean demolishing people's homes. That's what we're talking about here. There may or may not be compensated for that, but we're talking about demolishing places that are already occupied and in use and then putting something else there. Which I think is why politicians like from both sides of the fence, like David Cameron and Andrew Adonis, have both talked about
1: Hey, oh, it's, it's why I think create streets is just a nonsense fantasy. Yeah, we'll all come back to them, But like, um, it's just this idea of, like,
0: well, there's all, there's all this public sector land. It's like, those are council estates. People live there. Mm-hmm. And not just council tenants. However, a lot of the people who live there, thanks to the right to buy, own those council flats. Mm-hmm. Have you forgotten that you're demolishing their homes is and you know it is, if you think it's going to be difficult to win support for building on the green belt why do you think it's going to be any easier to knock down half of Suffolk and rebuild I just don't understand why people think this is something it's going to be okay to do
1: Yeah, yeah I, I think this is the, the weird thing about create streets is it feels like a policy proposal that would make brilliant sense if they also went, and our plan to solve the housing crisis is to invent a time machine <laughs> and go back to 1945 and go, so you're about to do an awful lot of rebuild. Why don't you do it like this, right? Is, or, yeah, or if your plan is to go yeah. back to the Great Fire of London. Again, it's a brilliant issue. However, you know, I mean... I don't think my mum listens to this podcast, um, but if she does, I'm sorry. She doesn't follow me on Twitter. Um, I follow her, she doesn't follow me back. I yeah, have issues. About, she's, she's very judicious
0: about... You who know whose mum follow. used to follow me on Twitter? Stephanie's mum always followed me on Twitter.
1: I'm not Stephanie.
0: Stephanie's mum would often tweet Stephanie about what I've been saying on Twitter, which made Stephanie feel very uncomfortable
1: after what anyone anyway, have I can see how it would. Um, but, um, but, you know, ultimately... The, the fact that people are going to resist having their home knocked down, partly because the other um, problem in the housing crisis now is because there is a long history of developers going, yeah, you can come back exactly the same place, exactly the same thing, and going, by exactly the same place, I meant somewhere else, and by exactly the same amount of space in your home, I meant actually less. Yeah, Means that this idea that you can go from the current level of trust in the process to create streets is, is for the birds. Um, and actually, you, we do just need to build out. Oxford could be three times the size it is very easily. And in terms of the population, it now, yeah, you know, like it, it is a, a city with more economic activity than it has room to house. Um, and you can see it, yeah, again. Well, this brings us
0: on to the productivity crisis, doesn't yeah. it? Like, there's stats out a couple of hours ago as we're, we're talking showing that you know, consistently the Treasury has made predictions based on. Uh, on a certain increase in productivity that hasn't been forthcoming for nearly a decade. And this means it's constantly missing its fiscal targets. And one big reason for that, I think, is because people can't live where the bloody jobs are. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about... work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Roundabout season two presented by Nissan is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas. You will be timed.
1: Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird. But you, yeah, you, you were different.
0: And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. Um, until we solve the housing crisis, I don't think we're going to solve the productivity crisis. And, you know, a way of increasing productivity would be letting productive cities like Oxford grow so that more people could work in them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, so because obviously the, the other problem with the housing housing crisis is that you have a, a large, well, not a, but you have some people who, thanks to help to buy, have got on the housing ladder. And of course, they have this thing where they have a lot of debt and not very much equity. Which means, and of course, what you ideally need to fix the housing crisis is a prolonged period of house price stagnation and a prolonged period of wage growth, uh, which you only get by a increasing house prices, sorry, increasing house builds and b increasing wages and productivity. Affected. Yeah, and yeah, productivity. And we're not doing that. At all. Yeah, and so um, I think what I find weird about the announcement, right, is I can under I could understand if the government just hadn't noticed there was a problem. I could understand if. Um, because in terms of you know, the things that Javid is putting forward, and I agree with your caveats about why they don't... But in terms of where he ended up... And but he where at he, least has
0: some quite yeah. radical ideas, to and, be fair to the man. And where like he's, he's trying. And,
1: and where he's got now, you can already see the kind of, well, here's where I'd like to be. Oh, there's this thing called the Tory backbenchers where they don't have a housing crisis yet. I'm going to have to retreat a bit. Whereas this policy doesn't even... It, 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 is, it is already in full retreat, Right. It feels, in its main devices, to get people who in in the Tory Party are going, we need to fix the housing crisis. It feels like a way of going, there I fixed it.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, I did in Manchester this week. I did encounter quite a lot of Tories who are who are serious about this. So, um, the the South North Kempy, Richard Bacon, who I've not be- met before. He uh, was, was on a panel with me and he was sort of genuinely sort of quite angry about the inactivity of the party on this. And uh, someone asked, you know, what do you think of help to buy? And he, I think the exact quote was, it's deeply intellectually flawed and bad. Which is, you know, that was, that's quite significant language. I thought from a Tory backbencher. Yeah,
1: Philip Lee was talking a lot of sense about it on it, and I mean, one of the J- uh, J-
0: James Jameson, who's the, the head, the leader of Central Bedfordshire Council, was saying like it's ridiculous. Like we, he was saying, I'd love to build more homes. Like th- my council is building where it can, but the most sensible thing to do would be to nibble away at some of the crappy green belt on the very edge of Greater London. And let people live there, because that's where people want to live. People don't want to be commuting from bloody Bedfordshire. People want to be living in London. Um, the, the, the other person I found interesting was um, head of a, a very old, very Thatcherite think tank, and you know, not one that you would normally associate with with state action. I asked him what his solution was, and he said, I think the state needs to get building again. Oh. So there's some there's some thinking going on. It's just none of it has actually sort of percolated up to...
1: Yeah, I think... And although, you know, like, no one wants, uh, you know... No one wants uh, what happened to her to happen to her. So it feels weird saying it was quite good for her and she had, like, a really humiliating day. But it actually was because it means instead of people going, wait, 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 you've lost your majority, you've had however many months to think about it, and your solution is this appalling housing policy, everyone's going, oh, God, I'm so glad that didn't happen to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. People are actually focusing on the fact that it was like the most embarrassingly sitcom speech of all time, rather than the fact that the actual content was bloody terrible. People are just not looking at the content at all, which is, you know, what we're here for. So how would you fix the housing crisis?
1: Um, so firstly, I would uh, So this, this. The thing is, the state needs to step back out of the planning process and step into the building process Um and also step into the regulation, regulatory process, because obviously we've seen with uh, Grenfell and we see in general with the cuts to things like fire safety, that the state is not taking the active role it used to in when a building is being planned and going, can you do this? Is this mm-hmm. connected? Blah, blah, blah. So it needs to do more of that, less of the regu- and also just strengthen compulsory purchase powers strengthen the abilities to just go no we are in fact going to build here i mean on my own block right we've got like this weird little like tarmac thing which is allegedly according to one of the residents associations a playground i have never seen anyone play on it and seeing as i've seen quite a lot of broken glass in it i don't see why anyone would which could easily have a, another block of flats in it it would you know get rid of the right to light of some of the terraced houses near to me but you know
0: you 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 live on a council state don't you yeah you own because yeah. I also own, I mean, mine's Housing Association, but yeah, I also own a flat which is on a North London estate. And I think this is also something that gets missed when, when people like Adonis are talking about how we should just turn council estates into new villages, is like they are. They are now full of people like us because it's the only place we can
1: afford. Yeah. Well, I thought, oh, that was so. In terms of other people with uh, strange opinions about uh, the housing crisis, Dan Davies claiming that, oh, I'll believe there's a crisis when um, the estates around the edge of Oxford start to gentrify, and it's just like, oh, it's just like <clears throat> when 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 that happens. I mean, I find it literally. Have you been in a coma since two thousand and five? I think what Dan Davies is actually
0: saying there is that he's old. And he doesn't yeah. know any young people he seems like his fifties he's just he just genuinely doesn't know anybody who's um he doesn't know people who are like him a generation ago
1: but yeah i mean but l- but actually yeah, the, the reality is is to fix the housing crisis, people like me with my five percent of equity uh do just need to be tipped into negative equity i I can see no sustainable solution for society as a whole, which doesn't involve that um but yeah, I I would just more building. I would broadly do a lot of the sa- the stuff Sadiq Javid is doing, but with more social, with you know more social building as well on the yeah, side. No, i agree and with. compel. Um, I mean, I also think yeah. Seeing as I assume in this scenario then we're just imagining, I don't have to like get win any votes. Um, we do just need to take a look at who makes um, political decisions, right? So perversely, there are people in. London exurbs who get a better deal on transport because a mayor they don't elect runs their transport, right? And that is slightly bizarre and it has slight democratic problems, but in a federal structure... You
0: mean like Epping, Amish, places on the tube, yeah. basically? You know, do,
1: yeah, do yeah. slightly better off than they would, weirdly, if we went, actually, TfL's writ ends...
0: In- there used to be a thing, I don't know if it's still true, but there certainly used to be a thing that, you, that some of these... Uh, border councils would would pay so the residents got a better deal yeah. which is how uh, epping actually ended up in zone six like they paid for the privilege awesome. despite the fact that because like once upon a time like all that area got rezoned so half the the Hainwald loop was in zone five and then only loughton i think was zone six and then beyond that was nothing
1: but they changed it so that like, now it's in zone four but beyond that still lies nothing
0: which is why they should build some houses there yeah. Yeah. Um, you know after the Great Fire of London um, there were very tight building regulations as what you could build like, there, was like a, a, there was like three or four types of building yeah. which is why so many of the sort of, greater states in North London kind of have that sort of Georgian Terrace look because like, literally someone sat down and said right, this is what you can build
1: Oh, I didn't know that. I thought that was just like an architectural style of that period. of No, it was state. regulation.
0: It's a product oh. of regulation. Oh, that is fascinating. This is why I mention it, because it's a surprising fact, isn't it? Because yeah. you just wouldn't think of it. Firstly, you don't imagine regulation happening in that way in the 17th century. But I think a lot of it was about, like, one of the reasons the Great Fire of London was so bloody terrible was because so many of the houses were timber. Mm-hmm. So it was partly around not you know, have it, having stone-built houses rather than timber ones. It was a set fire safety thing, but also it was it was an aesthetic thing. Um, so so there's huge estates, like the Bedford estates it's only like Bloomsbury and so on, That what they call the Great Estates, which all built up very, very quickly, and that's for the first period of suburbanisation. There was also an Elizabethan Greenbelt, which I keep meaning to look into, but they were building restrictions to prevent the growth of the city in the late 16th yeah. century, which is crazy.
1: And I think, yeah. The other thing I would do is you just do have to restrict slightly who can buy. Um,
0: See, I think we kind of need an exit ramp from buy to let. Yeah,
1: I don't that, think that's the other difficult solution. If we point. could, if
0: we could press a button, just killing buy to let today, I don't think it would be a good idea. Because firstly, there's a lot of people who have that instead of pensions, so that you're just creating another crisis. And and secondly, like there is some evidence that that you you squeeze more people into rental properties than you would if they were owner occupied, so in fact you actually you end up with sort of less less space for people if you see what I mean because like what what is currently a, a home for like shared by like you know three couples, may end up being just a house for one couple sort of thing, um, so you kind of need to wind that down gradually, but it's not clear to me what that looks like. I think maybe they need to sort of come up with some policy where they say okay we're gonna our goal is to make it incredibly financially unadvantageous to, to be an individual owning property in 10 years time we're going to start sort of ramping up tax rates on on buy to let property but the good news is we're not doing it right now so you have time to get out in your own. do you know what i mean
1: but i mean that is, yeah that is the sort of, because the weird thing is is there's a huge amount of rent seeking in buy to let but there is not there has not been Huge rent-seeking in buy-to-let. You know, the, the rents that have been achieved have not meant that you have landlords sitting on a pot of money. You have landlords where the Bank of England, when they did their last stability check with the various banks, most banks think of a, thir- a third of their landlords uh, would be underwater with even quite a small rate rise. Really? Um, and that doesn't include portfolio effects. So unless you hope that the, the third is the same third, which is highly unlikely... You're talking about a very overlived I mean, the first um, uh, flat I lived in after university um, was, you know, the, the circumstances around around this particular shared flat. We, we knew the landlord was was not wholly uh, kosher, but at one point the boiler broke, and um, he basically had to be like, "Can you pay me for a couple of days early next month? Because I'm it's a bit tight for me." And obviously we're like, yeah, okay But seeing as we give you, like, a grand That's not what you want to hear from the landlord Yeah, it's just like, it's just like You really should not be, like, this up against it But that is the the big problem with, with, with the buy to let um,
0: I had the opposite experience My first house out of university um, in, in 2002, 2003, 2004, around then was was rented through a a property company in on the Walworth Road in South London that owns I don't know a few dozen properties but it's it's corporate rather than like and because I hadn't managed to sort out my bank account for reasons that best unexplored I would pay them by check delivered by hand every month and sometimes I would just not get round to it so I would be like 3 weeks late and all apologetic and the very nice lady Wendy around the place would be like oh it's fine it's I mean we know where you live so I think we had this a sort of slightly odd experience of uh, But our our our, our, our colleague Al Leskowitz also ended up renting from the same agency quite recently. Oh gosh. Yeah.
1: Teeny tiny Well, isn't it? But yeah, but yeah, I yeah, you know, the I think this kind of solution in terms of how do you um have a an exit from for people in Vitalet is the other part which we haven't talked about, which is mortgage terms. Um I've said this before, I'm not sure on this podcast or just on the website, but in many ways, in terms of what voters want and the objections of the Tory party, I'm amazed that they haven't paid more attention to Japan in general. And what do they have in Japan? They have 100-year mortgages, where actually you never pay off the debt, because actually in terms of the financialization of housing as asset, that sort of works for everyone. But you do just use it to swap housing either down or up, right? but you actually don't ever, your, your lease stretches out into the future. And that also allows you to have a, because we do basically need to, in order to not have a situation where a bunch of buy-to-let landlords exit and a bunch of people are suddenly made homeless, yada, 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 to have a period where wages go up and house prices stay flat. But because of the pressures on housing, in many ways, people really have underestimated just how much building you would have to do before house prices went down, as opposed to merely stagnated, so buy to let, yeah, there is, there are lots of, sort of fairly painless ways out of it.
0: I think that on the building thing, I think the problem is we genuinely—it's difficult to know how severe the crisis is because there is an argument that part of it is around the financialization of housing rather than supply demand logic. So, you know, to be blunt about it, like since the crash, there's not been many good places to put your money. Mm property is one particularly property in in what what richard florida has described as superstar cities like london if you own a square foot of london that's going to work out pretty well for your bank account whereas you know it's been quite difficult to find good startups or whatever to invest in so there's just been this wall of money flooding into property if interest rates went back up to normal and world growth rates went back up to normal prices will go down i just don't think we know so i don't think we know how severe the housing in crisis is if you see what I mean I mean there's definitely in certain areas in London and Oxford and Cambridge and Bristol and so on there is definitely a shortage of supply that we need to fix but in parts of the country I think it is just that like buy to low investors have squeezed out first time buyers and I don't think we we know until until things change
1: yeah
0: Um. two last thoughts before we go one is there is in in the road to Wigan Pier which George Orwell wrote in 1935 There is a section about how the worst landlords are not terrible corporate monsters. It's little old ladies with two homes who can't afford to fix the boiler, which I meant to say several minutes ago when it fitted in. But uh, I just want to point that out, you know, given that this is the magazine of Orwell. And the other thing is, is not so much an observation as a question, which is what was the incident?
1: No comment.